Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 218, and we are only a few weeks away from the end of 2019. How does that make you feel? I'm Andy Last. I host this show, and uh, today we are talking to Ocillion, and we'll be chatting with him later in the show. We'll be listening to some cool music first, and uh, we got some things to talk about, so let's just get into it. Uh, I got a track here from an artist called Free Weights, and this is a fun pop jam to uh, get the show started this is nothing to burn by freeweights You baby 
was nothing to burn by freeweights so that is a cool song that's fun and that was brought to you by the awesome people that support beyond synth now i just got a lovely little gift here from Oh, but don't mess up your name, dude. Jacob Doring. He says, you're doing such a great show, and now it's time to pay a little bit for all this awesome music and your funny way to present it. Greetings from Germany, from Jacob. And he sent a nice little gift to the show. Thank you, Jacob, uh, for supporting Beyond Synth and being a cool, cool guy. And I hope you are having a lovely day out there in Germany. And if you want to support the show, uh, like awesome people like Jacob here, uh, he must have gone to BeyondSynth.com and clicked on the donate button, which brings you to the uh, the PayPal. But there's also a Patreon, and we'll be thanking those people in just a bit. So, what do I got to say? First of all, I hope you all enjoyed the final high five. There's been a bit of confusion about it, <laughs> but I think mostly because a lot of people don't listen to the show exactly when it's released, so people will see my social media posts and then be like, what, it's getting canceled? But they haven't actually, you know, they're like a month behind, so they don't listen to the actual show to hear what the reason is. So, just to be clear, Marco and Julian are still going to be on Beyond Synth picking tracks. The idea is, next season, next year, I have this feeling about 2020, or at least what I want 2020 to be for me personally, and that is about finishing off all the stuff that I have not released uh, in terms of video content and some audio stuff related to Beyond Synth. And I really want this to be the year that a lot of stuff just kind of moves forward. So there's a lot of changes going on behind the scenes at Beyond Synth. I seem to get that vibe from a lot of artists in the scene as well. There have been some, let's just say, touchy articles uh, written in the scene about the state of Synthwave and all that. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. I don't give a shit um, about that kind of stuff. People, uh, you know, are entitled to their opinion in terms of where they think the scene is going or 
whether it's alive or not. Uh, because you know me, man, I've been very clear about this for, you know, seven years or whatever, as long as I've been doing this show. I just love cool music and I love chatting with artists. I get along well with artists. I like talking about music and inspirations and things like that. So to me, music is never dead. The idea of a scene being dead is a thing that doesn't make sense to me because artists always create and they evolve and change. And so I think there is perhaps a stubbornness with certain fans that want things to sort of stay the same. But then it's like, do you honestly want an artist to keep making the same album over and over again? And I don't think you do. Music gives us all a feeling, and it's that feeling that's special, and that sort of lives forever, you know? I mean, the idea that a music genre could die, yet the music that I listened to when I first discovered Synthwave are still some of my favorite songs. They still move me the same way, and now they're nostalgic in a funny way, even though they were made with nostalgia in mind. But with that said, I think, you know, it's healthy to evolve and change, and I hope that's what uh, 2020 will be about. I mean, I'm going to be doing it. There's already some changes going on here at the show, and I will I will talk about them more in detail later, but you pretty much know them all, I think. It's no secret. Anyways, look, speaking of music, let's listen to more because that's what you're here for. So uh, this is a cool track from Pong Man, P-O-N-G-M-A-N, from the album Modes. And this is brought to you by my awesome PayPals this week. Uh, The king of the PayPals, Jimpy. Uh, He's a real cool guy. And then, of course, there's Rob Dyson and Jeffrey Sikowski, the Rosconian, Jimmy Groon, Digital Dreams, Timothy Warwick, Jersey, and Kai. And we never got to how you pronounce your name, dude. Is it Frank you? Frank? I don't know. Maybe you're a few months behind, too, and you don't even know I've been saying it. Anyways, let's listen to this awesome song. This is Pong Man with Oxygen.
And that was Oxygen by Pong Man. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, we've got some new ones this week. We've got a new member of the $20 Club, uh, Andy's Laugh. So thank you, Andy's Laugh, for uh, supporting Beyond Synth. And we've got a new pledge here from Abigail. I don't know how to say your last name. Pied? P-I-E-D. That looks like Pied to me. How is it spelled for the Pied Piper? How does he spell his name? <laughs> how does how does he how does that real guy spell his name? What? <laughs> anyway, look. Uh, thanks, Abigail, for supporting the show and Andy's laugh. You're really cool. Did I mention on the laugh show that the laughed show? Fuck. Did I mention that Alex Seligson upgraded his support? I think I did. Well, let's just mention it again. Alex Seligson, you're a cool guy. <laughs> Look, there's a little jingle for you. And I got this little nice message from uh, one of my Patreon supporters, Luke Timmermans. I think this was in reference to the last episode. He said, hey, Andy. I hope this isn't personal, by the way. Just wanted to let you know that in the last episode of Beyond Synth, your attitude came across as really upbeat and your passion is awesome, dude. Just wanted to say thanks, as I've been having a rough week and this really helped lift me up. Really makes me proud to support your raddest synthwave podcast around. Thanks again. You're a cool guy from Luke. Well, look, man, Luke, thanks for supporting the show. I mean, I know I say this, and I really do mean it. You know, when you thank people, you don't want to thank them too much, because then I think it gets sort of annoying and repetitive for the other listeners, but I have to maintain that it is the reason why I am able to do this show and keep it coming out every week. And I literally could not do that if I was not receiving the support from all of you awesome people. No matter what you donate, it all adds up, and I'm just happy to provide that, because not to get too... uh, uh, serious about things, but you know, the majority of stuff I watch online, I mean, I watch a fair bit of silly stuff, but a lot of it's just kind of serious debates and things like that, and it's always been important to me that Beyond Sense remains sort of a a neutral zone, where you can just sort of tune in and enjoy yourself without being angered or anything, and obviously there's certain topics which seem to do that to people. In a way, that's also why I don't publicly really engage in too many of the more heated debates in the synthwave scene or talk about them too much here, although I did mention uh, that article. But, you know, like whenever Iron Scully, you know, like posts an article that's uh, got a very provocative title, although to be fair, I don't think anybody read the article. I think they just read the title and then got all mad at him. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure they sort of like, what's Andy's response or whatever? And for me, it's always been about the love of the music, and some people just review music differently than I do. I think I've said this on the show before, but if I reviewed, like, if I had a music blog and I reviewed music, I would not review music with a number system or a percentage, because that's just not how I view music. To me, music is... It's sort of like creative fuel, and I need it, and it's very important, and all music provides a different kind of fuel. It energizes you in different ways and creates different feelings and emotions. And so if I reviewed music, I would probably say what it made me feel. Now, that doesn't mean those would be positive feelings. So if I listen to music that I think is bad, you know, the feeling might be this music made me angry. 
Or if someone shows a lot of potential but the production value is really bad, then I might feel disappointed. If someone's music is really inconsistent, I might say the album makes me feel anxious because, you know, there's nothing worse than when people send me music or I find music and the first, like, minute of a song is really awesome and then the song kind of becomes shitty. It makes me anxious when I listen to the rest of their songs because I'm just sitting there going like, please, please be good. You know, I want to support people, but I also want to support good music. So I'm not going to just blindly put people in the playlist just for the sake of supporting them. Obviously, I want to support people who are talented. And, you know, look, (laughs) let's listen to more music. Here's a track from Nervous Test Pilot. And this is a cool one. Uh, It's called Music for Code. And it's brought to you by my awesome patrons, the kings of the Pattersons, Robert D. Bishop and Chris Dans in the 88 Club. You guys are amazing. This is Nervous Test Pilot with Music for Code.
And that was music for code from Nervous Test Pilot. Uh, that's a cool one. That was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Six Mill with the 8484, Mr. Mike Shima with the 82, and Jacob Wick with the 4488. Now, I'm going to tell you this, Jacob. Over this Christmas holiday, some of that Lego you sent me is going to go to use, hopefully. In my hometown, my dad is renovating, or renovating, he's fixing up the basement, sort of. You can't fix it up fully or else you have to pay more taxes. So it's still a storage basement, but I think they're just kind of tidying up the walls a bit because it's uh, an old basement with old bricks and things. And that's where the Lego table is. We built a Lego table. My dad kind of did most of it and uh, <laughs> so i've got all this lego and i really want to build a castle and i was thinking i don't know if anyone in the beyond synthland would be interested but i think i might make a video series because if, if we clean up the walls i might be able to have like a little set where i've got like andy's lego table and maybe do like lego builds but i want to make original things and I've got this idea to make a castle, but I have no blueprints. And I just want to make a castle from scratch, but I want it to have, like, you know, the walls on the hinges so that you can open the castle in half and so see all the rooms and uh, put all the characters in and stuff. Because I'm a child. So, um, like I said, the high five is going away, but Marco and Julian will still be here. The idea is I'm going to be replacing it with a live show, which will probably be Tuesday nights. Um, that's going to be in the new year. I'm probably going to do another few tests over the next few weeks. So if you pay attention to my social media, you'll see when I go live. Because uh, So we did a live show test last week. The problem is I'm not very good at paying attention to too many things at the same time. Multitasking is not one of my skills. So when I'm trying to cue up the next song, make sure the background music is playing, and also try and have like a Skype conversation with somebody, I just simply can't. Like I find it very distracting and people are talking and I'm not really listening to them. And that is not what I want because obviously I want to do like have a call in aspect to the live show I want to actually pay attention to what people are saying to me because it would be rather rude if people just called in and I didn't actually listen to them and I also want to play music and it's just really hard for me to do all that uh, at the same time. So I'm going to be doing some experiments over the next few weeks. I'm going to be experimenting with different software and seeing if there are some programs that are that I find more comfortable to use where I don't have to pay as close attention. Because the thing is, when you do everything with one computer, there's at least like six windows on the screen, right? Because when you're live streaming, I need to see the live stream chat. I need to see that the stream is actually working, which means I, I use Restream to stream to Facebook, uh, YouTube, YouTube and Twitch at the same time. So I need that window open to make sure that the green light is on and everything's working properly. I obviously need the program open that my microphone is running through, which would be Logic. So that has to be open. Uh, if I'm playing music, like with DJ software or iTunes or whatever, that needs to be open. And then if I want to have conversations with people, that means Skype has to be open and possibly also another Chrome window if I want people to call in through Zencaster. And so you just end up with this on the monitors, just windows everywhere. And if all of a sudden one of the programs screws up, you have to like scroll over to that specific program and make sure that that's the window that's highlighted. Because if it's not, you end up screwing something else up. And that's why keyboard shortcuts 
lights aren't actually that useful because if you have the wrong window highlighted, then your keyboard shortcuts are going to affect the window that's highlighted, obviously, right? And so if you're not paying attention, you're hitting spacebar in the chat, but what you've actually done is just stop the music in the other. And so that's the stuff I'm trying to work through, which is why I like to have real equipment, which is why I'm still nostalgic for real levers levers and uh, buttons and sliders and knobs. Anyway, this is boring. Look, we're going to be talking to Ossilian in just a little bit, but how about we listen to another track? So here's a cool one. This is uh, Watch Out for Snakes from the album Scars. It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's City Hunter with the 42. And in the 2666 Club, we got Hugh Hefna and Lucas Ceballos. And this is Rip 'em Up featuring Gregorio Franco by Watch Out for Snakes. <laughs>
And that was Watch Out for Snakes, featuring Gregorio Franco with the track Rip Em Up. And that was brought to you by my awesome patrons in the $25 Club. There's Clint Dowling, Techno Ben, Neptune 90, and Restless Nights. So one of the major things that's going on behind the scenes is I am redesigning my set. You know, I turned like half of my living room into a talk show set with the intention years ago when I did it that I was going to be using it a lot more than I did. And obviously, um, we've only really made four episodes of The Real Beyond Synth. There's another one coming, hopefully in a week or so. So I decided uh, last week that we were going to rearrange the living space. And so now my office has technically been downsized, but is in an area that's going to make it a lot easier for me to live stream at night and to record my show. Because technically where my desk was, my office was sort of in the middle of a bunch of things. And so it was hard for me to live stream. So now um, it should be relatively easy for me to live stream more often, specifically evening, weeknights, but it means I won't be filming on the same set, and so I'm just deciding what my new little setup is going to be, but it's going to be a little bit smaller. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if it's just going to be a bunch of colored lights, or if I'm going to put some props up or build something. I don't know yet. We'll see. Um, Temporarily, I'm not building anything, because (laughs) I don't have time, but uh, that's what's happening over here, so we're doing a little set redesign, and what else happened this week? I enjoyed the Ghostbuster trailer, as did uh, pretty much everyone universally. It's funny, because I see a lot of people who, you know, in the comments, they're always just like, look, they're throwing shade, saying that the other movie didn't happen. Like the lady Ghostbusters, answer the call. But then technically answer the call through shade by making it a reboot instead of a sequel. So let's just say they started it. And also in the trailer, they don't mention the Statue of Liberty. So... Are they also suggesting that Ghostbusters 2 didn't happen? Who knows? Anyway, it looked fun. I mean, that, that's the tone I'd like to see. Like, it looks slightly different, but it looks like they're taking the scares kind of serious, and they're taking it in a different direction, but they're still honoring the, the history, so that's all fans ever want. <laughs> I don't know why this is so hard <laughs> for the movie studios to understand. It's like, if you honor the history... That's what you do for the fans, and then you can take the franchises in different directions. You just have to not shit on the history. That's it. It's so simple. Like, it's weird when they don't do that. And then get fucking blame the fans when they don't like the movies. So, what I like is that the Ghostbusters looks like it's fun. It's got this new cast. I bet you even if the original cast returns, it's going to be for like two seconds. And that's all that needs to happen, you know? They just need to fucking pat the kids on the head and just be like, all right. You got the gear now, see ya. Like, that's all they have to do. But we here at Beyond Synth have to listen to cool music. So here is uh, a track from Hoffman Cruz off the Arrival album. And it is uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. There's Honeybeard, Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, and Emilio Estevez. And this track is called Into Darkness by Hoffman Cruz.
And that was Hoffman Cruise with the track Into Darkness. And that was brought to you by my awesome $25 patrons. There's Pattern Shift, Kempson, Martin Larby. It sounded like I was going to say and, right? You probably listen, if you listen to this show every week, you probably have these names memorized, right? I'm going to shake things up on you. Um, what else happened? Uh, last week, there was a few events in Toronto, so that was fun. Nina was visiting, and it was a fun little night, actually, because everyone who showed up was literally like the Toronto synth scene, but like just us. <laughs> you know, it was funny, <laughs> especially um, Wednesday night, because it was parallels, and then Radio Wolf and Nina. And then Dana showed up. And Mecha Mako was there. Haley. Julian. Neon Fox. And then I was there. And then Kyle showed up. Exile. And Marcus was there. You know, Marcus, he throws knives. He doesn't make music, but he's a knife-throwing guy. And then on Saturday, uh, Parallels had a DJ set. And Nina and Radio Wolf. And I went to that. And when I got home, I texted Florence and I said... I'm an old man, and then she thought I was drunk, but what <laughs> what I'm learning about myself is I don't think I like going places where there's loud music, because I... <laughs> So I am an old man because I like to socialize. I mean, that's my favorite thing to do is talk to people. And I just can't really do it properly at events where there's just sort of loud music. So I feel like if I ever organize a synthwave event uh, myself, it's going to be a synthwave brunch or luncheon. You know what I mean? After Outland in the summer the next day, there was a synth brunch and everyone showed up and it was like a really good time. It was like early afternoon... Late morning, you know, people are chilled out. It was relaxing. You could just sit there and talk. And that's like my favorite thing to do. So uh, I'm an old man. All right. So there you go. Sometimes I feel old and I felt old on Saturday. (laughs) Well, I didn't feel old. Like I wasn't around people that made me feel like I was older than them. I just when I got home, I'm like, wow, do I not like to party? I think I just like to sit there. I keep telling people like my fantasy is just to be the guy that runs the bar that sits at the back. You know what I mean? At like the circular um, booth. And then I just sit and like point to people, you know, and they just bring ladies to you. Anyways, the point is that we've got a great show today. So we're going to listen to another track and then we'll go chat with Asilian. Asilian. So how about uh, we play this cool track from Akura? And uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club, Gregorio Franco and Blake Peterson. And this is Akura with Night Ride.
And that was Night Ride by Akura. And that song is cool. And that was brought to you by my awesome patrons. Well, there's Ashley Keegan with the 2049. And Andy's Laugh, we mentioned him. And uh, Alex Seligson. And uh, and then Rachel Buchelman with the 1985. And Morat with the 1984. And uh, who else? Well, let's do it all, man. In the $15 Club, there's Ken Giroux and Hampus ML and Chatterack. And then uh, Mads Baron Christensen, Prophet of Jupiter. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Lyle-Lane. And now, let's go chat with Ossilian. Oh, and I should mention, we recorded this interview before the Automatic Call video came out. Nina's song, Automatic Call. So, I hadn't seen it. So, that's a joke later on in the, in the thing where I pretend like I'd seen it and describe it improperly. But if you haven't, go check out the video for Nina's song, Automatic Call, because it's fun, and I like the way it blends between, like, Grand Theft Auto footage and, like, the live-action stuff. I think it <laughs> it worked well. And, uh, yeah, so that's why we talk about it the way we do. And that is pretty much all I have to say. So here is Ocillion. <laughs> Well, I'm here right now with Ossilian. How's it going, man? <laughs> I'm fine, man. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So is that how you say it, Ossilian? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know if I've actually um, given it the thought of how to pronounce it, but um, yeah, Ossilian is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. So you come up with a name and you don't even know how you would say it? I, I knew how, how to, to write it. Actually, it's like this old name I used in a forum back in, I don't know, like early 2000s and um, it was like a combination of um, I guess oscillators from a synthesizer and maybe some like really old uh, role-playing name like from Lord of the Rings or something so it's like a, like a combo of uh, synth stuff and uh, role-playing stuff <laughs> do you like uh, role-playing <laughs> it depends on what kind of me <laughs> <laughs> the, the sex kind <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a while it's been a while but um, back in the good old days we used to have quite a lot of role-playing but uh, Lord of the Rings kind of style, yeah. Like in Stranger Things, when you sit around the table and you do a Demogorgon stuff and stuff like that. What kind of character did you play as? Ooh, mage. Totally mage. You like shooting electricity? Is that what they do? I was more kind of a spell guy, more like working in the shadows, uh, making stuff invisible, that kind of stuff. Well, that's a cool thing. So tell the people your name. It is John, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm John, I'm from Sweden, but I go in the, under the moniker Ocillion. How many Swedish people have I had on the show now? I feel, <laughs> I feel like this week I've been recording new conversations, and again, it's been with a bunch of Swedish people. Mm-hmm. What's in the water over there, man, that makes people want to make electronic music? Oh, I don't know, man. Um, maybe it's the cold weather, but you have that in Canada as well. People being indoors like locked up not talking to each other and just uh, focusing on making music instead I don't know right but you could play a guitar or a lute or something yeah that's true that's true I think the, most most of the people that I've met here in Sweden that are into making electronic music or synthesizer music they're kind of geeky and they're like very much on the internet so I guess once a couple of people get to know each other, they start doing stuff that are similar to the other ones. I, for one, I haven't met that many artists uh, before making my own music. I, I, I was working alone, more, more or less. I guess if you're like a, a guitar player or playing in a rock band or something, you get to venues and you meet people like that. But for us um, 
electronic musicians were probably maybe working more alone and then you end up on like internet forums speaking to people like that i don't know that's might be the reason why so many swedes are into this this kind of genre was oscillion like the first music project or did you do stuff before i started making music uh, under the name oscillion in i think i think 2015 or something but before that i've been producing music and not maybe having like a name for it more like stuff i did just for fun like a bedroom producer stuff and i used to work uh, in a proper studio like in the early 2000s uh, producing other artists but not having like a career of my own i did some remixes and uh, stuff like that but not really under a moniker uh, so um I, i guess oscillion is the first name i actually used to uh, release my own stuff when you were just making random things before you had a name did any of that stuff become oscillion music or was that like a different genre i'm pretty eclectic i mean i did all sorts of music mostly electronic but maybe i was more into uh, the glitchy stuff like boards of canada fx twin but i also had a period when i did a lot of big beat stuff like fatboy slim uh, the prodigy that kind of stuff Oscillion actually started as more or less like a what do you call it in English like in hiatus when you like take a break from the music. Yeah, 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 yeah. So me and my my girlfriend we had a kid and I more or less didn't have time to produce any music. So maybe it took like seven years or something, and then I came back to it. Um, and I'm a, I'm a huge film buff as well, so I, I watch a lot of new movies and I and I have a background in in graphic design and also in filmmaking. I've tried to combine like my interests in cinema and in music and naturally I I came across like all the works of John Carpenter Big Trouble Little China Escape from New York that kind of stuff. So I actually came back to music by trying to uh, replicate the hardware setup they used for those movies. And this was way before I even knew there was like this retro wave scene or anything because I, I was just trying to make my own audio movies like the french would say so um i was like geeking out on forums checking out what kind of stuff they used when they made those movies and, that, and what they made to make uh, that kind of music so that's that's uh, how i got it back into producing again well look let's uh listen to a track and then we'll uh keep talking You started putting stuff out in 2015, and 2015 you put out a bunch of music, a lot of little EPs and things. Yeah. So I want to listen to this track. This was a, a track called "Hour of the Wolf," and it is by Ocillion.
And that was Hour of the Wolf by Ossilian. And I'm here with Ossilian right now, John, talking about how you got into all this stuff. So in 2015, when you started making like Ossilian music, you made quite a bit of music. So what was going on? Were you just like super excited to get started and just uh, went crazy or what? Yeah, more or less back in the fray, you know, and getting all the juices flowing and really getting into making stuff musically. That was really good fun. But the, th- the thing that really made everything take off, sort of, was I had a friend of mine come stop by and listen to some stuff that I made, some, like, John Carpenter covers. And he said to me, oh, you should listen to some of this stuff. And he showed me this website called SoundCloud. I had never heard of it before. And he played me uh, the album 194 by Ogre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Robin, yeah, I guess he's a friend of yours. He made the, the theme song for your show, I guess. Well, technically, <laughs> technically yeah. he made that song before I knew him. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it uh, but oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> with his blessing. So my friend, uh, he showed me, uh, he put me onto SoundCloud and uh, and I was like, what? There's an entire scene making this stuff. And so I listened to Ogre and then I stumbled upon Carpenter Brute and everything. And it was like, oh my God, this is too much. So I guess that was the reason why I, I thought that, okay, so obviously there's a scene for this and there there are some people interested in this stuff. So I, I put out some tracks and then I stumbled upon like this podcast thing on SoundCloud. I don't know if you heard of it. It's called Beyond Synth. Sounds shitty. Yeah, really shitty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think it was one of your earlier interviews with um, uh, Droid Bishop yeah. from Mali. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was really cool to hear this super long episode of, of you two like talking about the minutia of, of making music and it was, it was really fun uh, and then I listened to um, Marco's um, podcast as well never heard of him ah you never heard of him yeah. no 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 he's a, no, he's a really <laughs> brazen Australian mm. <laughs> and he got in touch with me and wanted to have me on his show and from that on it kind of took off I got a lot of followers on SoundCloud and people started liking my stuff and playing my stuff. So um, I just kept on going. And then I was contacted by some other uh, artists in the scene. Nina from, from Britain. She wanted to write a track with me and now like, I don't know, four years later we're working on this her second album and I'm, I'm her main producer. So it's it's really weird how stuff like takes off like that. Yeah, I was going to talk about that because uh, Nina, whenever I talk to her, she always uh, brings you up. And But your partnership is interesting because you're sort of more of a producer, right? Because it's not like Nina featuring Ossilian or whatever. Like you, you sort of, you're in the background for her kind of project. Yeah, we we write uh, stuff together uh, and I produce it, but it's almost always a collaboration towards her album. Uh, we've done like one featuring track on one of my albums and we might do another one for my upcoming album, but it's mostly been uh, me producing stuff for her, her uh, releases. So you said earlier that you had sort of a background in graphic design and filmmaking. Like, did you go to school for that? Yeah, sure. I went to art school, but mostly um, towards uh, painting and drawing. But I got got interested into filmmaking during that period. And I also shot a lot of music videos for... um, for Nina as well and for some some other people. I'm interested in the entire experience of, of audio and the visual. On the few occasions that I've made like live performances, I've almost put more time into making like the backdrop uh, video projection. It's more like a movie when I when I'm on stage. So that's cool. I have the opportunity to make movies in, in that way as well. No, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I think that's one of the things I'm gonna be 
focusing on next year because I I uh, want to do more kind of creative video projects and movie things and stuff and I think the past few years I mean Beyond Synth pretty much takes up all of my time yeah. and then with the few kind of spare moments I have I'm editing Beyond Synth videos yeah, sure. like the, the talk show and like other things I filmed and interviews and stuff. Well, the stuff you're doing it's hilarious I mean you have a talent for making the, those skits they're amazing <laughs> I'm like rolling on the floor <laughs> laughing out loud <laughs> every time I see them <laughs> well, it's it's fun to do, but I don't know. Lately, I feel like the amount of work that I put into those things, I'd much rather be putting that work into some other projects. Like over the years, I've had a lot of mm-hmm. music video ideas I've wanted to make for different people and um, for myself as well. So I think, yeah, like I'm, I'm with you on that one where it's just I want to be making something that involves like the whole package. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's so much awesome music out there and it'd be fun to also do more uh, video work and stuff. It's kind of um, reductive to just making music uh, i feel like the the entire experience is more is more what i'm aiming for so a dream of mine would be to make a movie with the soundtrack and everything but i guess uh, making albums is almost like doing 70% of the experience because sound is so important in movies yeah i mean if if you mute the soundtrack of a movie you don't have the emotions or anything you just have like this mute a moving picture so i guess i'm i'm basically there just by doing the uh, the audio yeah and for me like that's the thing it's it's this sort of music is very inspiring and like it's sort of you almost the visuals get created for me anyways by listening to music like that's what sort of paints the picture yeah so yeah it's so important i mean there's so many movies that i like that are technically mediocre but for the soundtrack uh, and then, like, you know, the music's cool, so then the movie is sort of cool as a result. Yeah, for sure. I guess they say that you can accept really lousy image quality if the sound is great, but the other way around, it's not watchable. Oh, yeah. Especially for... I mean, that's the thing that takes me away, because I also have, like, sort of a background in, in film stuff, and I am super sensitive to sound design. I'm not, like, great at doing it, mm-hmm. but I'm sensitive to it. And nothing snaps me out of something faster than, like, the sound of clicking during an edit, or if you hear, like, background sound that changes with the shots. Like, sometimes people don't. It's like, they record audio from different microphones, and then every time the camera cuts, you just hear an abrupt cut to that sound. Yeah, yeah. And it just takes you out of it, and it doesn't matter how good the thing looks. Exactly. The second there's, like, audio pops and glitches or audio out of sync, <laughs> like, if someone's talking and their audio just drifts out of sync by, like, two frames, yeah, it, like, throws off the whole thing. Yeah, that's totally my pet PV as well. Yeah. Yeah. I get so annoyed when when stuff doesn't gel like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's frustrating. But look, I'll tell you what's cool is listening to music. And you did this uh, a little thing, and oh, this is also well, a lot of this is from 2015. Uh, yeah. A little EP called Charlatanism. Yeah, for sure. Which you can explain <laughs> this word to me. Now, this whole album is awesome, so I'm just going to pick a random. Like I like every track on this thing, so I'm just going to go with Black Storm Ooh. because that's a cool song, and it is by Ocillion.
And that was Black Storm by Ossilian from the album Charlatanism. Now, what the hell is charlatanism? Yeah, that's so get prepared for some geeky stuff. So charlatanism is a one synth album. So everything on that album is made by using one synth. And the synth is called charlatan. Is like this freebie, and uh, you can download it for free from ah, the internet. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, I made the album more or less like um, an exercise in trying to make all the sounds based on one synthesizer. So I, I learned quite a lot of synthesizer programming by making that album, like trying to make a kick drum and making a bass synth and everything. So um, yeah, that's the reason for the um, the title. the The entire album is based loosely on the the hero's journey. So it's kind of setting the um, scene, introducing the characters, the the protagonist, the uh, <laughs> the enemy, and everything. And so you have like like this um, big uh, climactic battle at the end, and then you have like a coda to finish it off. Yeah. Okay. Because I was yeah. I was I was trying to figure it out because I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did read the little thing where you mentioned about the using one synth, but I'm like charlatanism. Like, why is he called like charlatans? <laughs> like, is that what this is about? <laughs> Just thinking about like. <laughs> <laughs> well, charlatan is, is a someone um, impersonating or like trying to to be something they're not, right? It's funny because I love I love the word charlatan as an insult. Yeah, like because people don't use it in modern day, and, and I'm like <laughs> I always love hearing that. It just makes me laugh every time because it's like charlatan, like it's <laughs> it's antiquated, but it's awesome. Yeah, uh, it's probably from my my past doing role playing, I guess. When you said you were going to school originally for like painting and drawing, like were you interested in that, or were you just sort of taking an arts degree because you? You thought you were artistic or did you actually have like I want to do this type of painting or I was quite young so I, I didn't know what my life would be so before joining in the art school I studied biochemistry so I, I made like this really big turn in my life going from science to arts but eventually I find out that they're quite the same I mean you're a student of different crafts and, and you're like on this quest trying to um figure out stuff so for me it was great i honestly felt that i was more inclined towards the art side than the scientific side but i guess you can tell from most of my albums that i have like a penchant towards the the science uh, like having all this science fiction kind of albums in my my catalog are you still interested in biochemistry oh not that much (laughs) i've moved on (laughs) Were you just like picking a random thing like at the end of high school? Like, Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I ended up in biochemistry for like one year. Then I traveled abroad. So I, I, I lived in, in France for a couple of years and studied art there. Yeah. When I was done high school, I thought I was going to get into animation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought I was I would like animation, but then I didn't want to do all the steps necessary because I wanted to do three computer animation. Yeah. And one of the required steps was, for, at least for the schools that I wanted to go to, where you had to take a prerequisite classical like animation art course first. Like cell drawing and that kind of stuff? Well, like... Like, and then figure drawing and, you know, like, so yeah. I wanted to just jump right into doing stuff on computers mm-hmm. and, you know, they wanted like a, a year of, you know, classical art training, basically. Yeah. And then I remember just being like, I don't want to fucking do that. Like, <laughs> and uh, I want to do cut to the chase. Yeah. Movies and video stuff instead. And then even that as well, there was like when I got to college was right when the digital cameras really started to come in. I mean, because it's like 2000. 
one, I guess. Yeah, basically the same for me as well. Yeah, that's when digital started to happen. Yeah, so like, you know, digital cameras existed. Like, I know when I was in high school, like, our school had this little cheap digital, this Sony Hi8 camera that I filmed uh, projects on. And when we got to college, you know, they were still sort of changing over the the infrastructure, I guess, to switching to digital. And so the first year we were there was just this weird year where they didn't have like they were they were going to be putting in like final cut mm-hmm. software on all the computers but they hadn't yet and so we had to use this other stupid program called like media 100 or something oh god <laughs> and i just remember thinking like why are we doing this and then we were filming stuff on vhs and i'm like why are we doing this yeah, yeah, yeah. like i get that they were trying to i guess teach us some theories and techniques and stuff but for me i don't learn that way like i need to just be hands-on with the stuff that I'm actually going to be using. Yeah, and get results. That's the only way I learn. Like, I don't... All the classes where we had to take notes, like, where it's, like, editing class, Hmm. but we're just sitting there taking notes in a room, I fell asleep every class. And I'm like, no, like, I'll edit till... Once we finally started making projects, like, yeah, I'd be in the fucking edit lab till, like, four in the morning, like, editing. Yeah. Because I really enjoyed it. Like, I really like editing. But put a notepad in front of me and go like what is an l cut or whatever i'm like yeah. snooze like you know i'll do a million l, l cuts by myself like in the fucking uh, edit lab but like i'm not gonna write about it like it's stupid same thing with me i'm i was not into that that slow burn kind of stuff because I, I wanted to stuff to happen quickly so well, when doing art i was more into like the speed painting stuff and i wanted to have get the results pretty quickly but I guess when I started doing movies and I realized that it's so much work to make a movie, you have to have other people involved and it takes forever to have like the final product in your hand. Mm-hmm. So I guess make music instead when you get almost to the end result and you make it on your own and you can work really, really quickly and get the mood from uh, like the first minute you start doing something. I think the immediacy of, of music uh, spoke to me really really strongly almost like painting painting and making music for me is equally quick uh, in in the way you you make stuff well how about we listen to some of that music man for sure we're gonna go to this album 1984 fight the future and uh this track is called it's just him and me by ocillion
And that was It's Just Him and Me by Ocillion from the album 1984, Fight the Future. And I am here right now with John, a.k.a. Ocillion. Yeah. This is obviously a Terminator uh, reference. Yep, you got that one. <laughs> Kyle Reese. That album I made, obviously, <laughs> with the reference for the 1984 movie Terminator by James Cameron. One of my big influences besides John Carpenter, Cameron has always been... Uh, how do you call it? Do you say house god in, in English? No, that's not... not that's a house, not a house god? Yeah, like um, someone you look up to. Idol. Uh, idol, yeah, an idol, yeah. In Swedish, we call them house gods. <laughs> really? Yeah. What's the meaning? Like the, that you would have like a statue in your house that was like... No, it's more like a symbolic statement, I guess. I don't have like a big statue of James Cameron in my no, house. No, 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 but I mean like, you know how, how some people in certain religions, like they'll have like little statues or little um, things that sort of sit in the house, you know, where it's just like, oh, that's the little like Virgin Mary that's on the cupboard or whatever, you know, like, like a God that like uh, watches over the house. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's based on, on that kind of, of belief. Yeah, so the, the album... Uh, I made it during two days or something, and I, I had the Terminator movie playing in the background, like on the TV screen right next to my workstation. And I was playing it back without sound and playing it back in slow motion. So everything was like this really dreamy slow motion kind of backdrop to me just using my uh, my software and synthesizers and, and writing stuff whilst this was playing in the background. What's your favorite part in Terminator? I prefer the, the first one because it's I like the, the horror aspect of it and also that it's very romantic compared to the other movies. I would say my favorite part in Terminator, that would be the tunnel chase because it has everything. It has the... Exactly. Brad Fidel's music is like <laughs> so <laughs> amazing. You got it, you got it, that's it. My favorite is the, um, I like when the Terminator's in the police station and they do that thing where they remove frames. So like, you know, when he shoots people with the shotgun, they like remove like two frames. So it looks like the people are just like thrown back really fast. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I love that effect. It's not a PG-13 thing. It's like really having people jerked away like that. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. And I love the... Uh the music in the the police chase at the end mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite like music cues of all time the <laughs> but the stuff he, they did i mean they were what do you call it flying on the the seat of no pan, seat of the pants <laughs> yeah that's the expression yeah they're, they're flying on the seat of the house god yeah exactly exactly so um, I think Brad Fidel said that he was more fighting machines when he was trying to make that soundtrack well it's really interesting because when I go back and watch the first one and really pay attention to like the opening theme mm-hmm. it's one of the best themes ever made it's also kind of like off time a bit yeah for sure and yeah maybe that's just a the symptom of just the equipment that he was using i mean like maybe he just did it all on purpose but part of me thinks that like that was just like oh that's the best we're gonna do and <laughs> and then just sort yeah. of like move they didn't on have time to to make a second tank i think during that period they didn't have like possibilities to sync stuff to make them play in the same tempo mm-hmm. so he was basically just uh, trying to keep up with the drum machine 
That was it. Or like the, the sequencer playing in the background. Did you go see the new Terminator? Oh, God. No. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, That's a Netflix special for me, man. I, uh, I refuse. Yeah, for sure. I had this uh, weird longing for it to be something worthwhile, but I was so disappointed. No, the Terminator series, they ended with <laughs> Terminator 2. I think I'm going to start another podcast, which is going to be imagining the movies that could have been instead of the ones that we got. Ooh, sweet. But for everything, you know, like in just sort of like Hollywood history and maybe even video games as well. Because I think about that all the time because it's too late now. Every time Terminator, they try to do another like, well, this is the real Terminator 3. The problem is those movies exist. That's true. It's too late. Like you can't just say this one doesn't count, but it exists. Like Terminator 3 exists. They're not uh, doing like a George Lucas and literally like changing it and like you literally can't buy Terminator 3 anymore or whatever. Aren't there fan edits? Well, there probably is. They don't have great materials to work with, so I don't know if they can actually fix it. Yeah, I wonder what they could do. I mean, in hindsight now, it's like Terminator 3 to me, and mind you, I haven't seen Dark Fate, but, Mm. you know, of all the sequels that have come out, it's like Terminator 3 now in hindsight is like, I guess it's the one that feels the most Terminator-y even though, like, it's not great, (laughs) but... Really? Uh, It's like, like a joke, more or less. Well, yeah, no, that's what's hilarious about that film is it's literally an action comedy up until the last five minutes where it has like the darkest ending yeah, for a blockbuster so, movie and it's like so gloom yeah it's just so wrong like the tonal shift where like the whole movie is like Arnold's a joke cracking dumb jokes and then the end of the movie is just and then the world is ending and just yeah. like what like how is this the ending of this movie from that point of view I kind of appreciate actually Terminator's salvation some parts of it in the beginning when they set the tone and really have this post-apocalyptic world but then it's like at the end it's all over the place. Terminator Salvation, I give it credit because it's the only Terminator sequel that hasn't just repeated the Terminator story again. Yeah, no time travel. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only one that isn't time travel to protect a person who's going to grow up to be important in the future and they send back two Terminators. Like, it's not that again, because that's what all the other sequels are. Yeah. So I give it credit for that. The problem I have with that movie was it didn't look like a Terminator movie. Like, We've seen the future war in, you know, the the flashbacks in Terminator 1 and 2. Purple lasers. Yes, like I just, I always wanted the future war to look like that because that's what it looks like. And I found Terminator Salvation was very like kind of brown and sort of dusty and it just, it didn't to me look like the sort of blue tinted future war scenes from the first two. And the other problem I had was they, they introduced so much sort of like new stuff that just made the rest of it not make sense. Like, there was a scene with... There was, like, giant robots that were collecting people in baskets and stuff. Yeah, it was such a mishmash of, like, Transformers. Yeah, and, and I'm like, well... I'm like, what, you have giant robots? Like, send one of those back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, like, they're sending back little Terminators. Like, they could have sent back a giant robot or... There was a scene with Terminator fish. At one point, there's like they're in the water and like there's these Terminator fish. I'm like, what? Yeah. The movie was full of stuff like that. The only things I, I think that I, I did okay was I think the guy they cast as Kyle Reese was good. I thought he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, although he's not alive anymore. No, Anton Jalkin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he but was he, proper. He was the right, you know, because obviously the John Connor they cast in Terminator Genesis yeah. was like completely wrong and nobody likes that actor well like nobody likes him and he somehow weaseled his way into like all these franchises yeah jay courtney yeah 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 yeah. 
They, they're never gonna make him happen. <laughs> no, man. But like, and I don't know, man. And then, uh, then the other stupid thing was the terrible acting of uh, Helena Bonham Carter, where she's like the personification of Skynet or something. Sure, no, and she was terrible. Good. Like, it, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I get maybe she's like trying to be a robot or something, but it was so bad. Michael Ironside is in it anyway, so that, that makes up for some. Yeah, <laughs> it's always nice to see him. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. But <laughs> I, I guess every single Terminator movie since. The T2 has been a wasted opportunity. So they had all the they had the budget, they had all the um, the creatives, and I mean the design on most of the stuff is really on point. But they messed up the story. <laughs> they never got the the actual story. Again, this is what this podcast I want to make is going to be about. Yeah, is basically just exploring like what if they made just a different thing. And and for me personally, the only Terminator Three that would have ever satisfied me would have just been a almost like a what if movie. Movie of just look they did stop the future in t2 but here's a movie of the future war that we've seen in the in the past two films but it just you know you get to see more of it and meet some of the characters but that future ends up being sort of erased or whatever mm-hmm. essentially it would have had to have been a future war film like because this whole like sending back two terminators thing it's like they did it already i mean like yeah it's a bit old yeah, yeah and so like I, I all i ever wanted to see was just like a future war movie mm. even if they did change the past at the end of T2 or or you could or you could sandwich the future war movie in between one and two you know so like you see so it's almost like the future and the past are like happening at the same time yeah that would be cool and so you still end it with t2 with them changing history but then you have this future war movie in between totally totally yeah but anyway we got to listen to some more music cool man all this fucking uh, nerding out so we're gonna move (laughs) ahead to uh escape from beijing that's the one and uh this track is called up the yellow river by ocillion
And that was Up the Yellow River by Ossilian from the album Escape from Beijing. And I'm here with Ossilian right now, John. So this is your... Well, actually, this is sort of on point with exactly what we're talking about right now, because this is sort of like yeah. a sequel to uh, that franchise that was never made. Excellent segue there. Yeah, really? that, yeah. that is literally a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Because I, I, I was actually thinking, maybe, maybe we should talk about sequels, because, I mean, Escape from Beijing is a sequel in so many ways. It's my sort of second EP, my follow-up to um, charlatanism, <laughs> charlatanism, and also... It was the first time I was thinking about the the mashup uh, idea of liking taking like one of my two favorite movies, Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China. And since Kurt Russell played the main character in both of those movies, I was thinking, so what if we um, we make like a mashup of those two characters and have like um, I, how much what I call I call him? Um, okay, so the the Big Trouble in Little China is Jack Burton. Me, yeah. All right, so that's that's. I only remember that because the damn trailer for Big Trouble in Little China. All the all the different versions of the trailer always play the shot where he's in the truck going. It's like, who are you? And then Jack Burton, me, <laughs> and then like points to himself. Um, yeah, and then uh, Snake, right? So yeah, Snake Plissken and Jack Burton. I think I called him Snake Burton or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Y- you've got two <laughs> choices Burton. here. It's a- <laughs> yeah. So Jack Pliskin, I don't know. Snake Burton is better because Pliskin, everyone associates with Escape from New York too much. So Snake Burton was cooler, I think. Yeah, that, that was a really f- fun thing to do because I think Big Trouble in Little China was m- the favorite movie of mine. I bought the uh, the soundtrack on vinyl. It was really cool because I, I think it was the first time I actually appreciated the, the sound of synthesizers, and I, I felt like, oh, that. that that's a weird sound. What is that? Like a bass line. Do, do, doom, doom. You know, that, that yeah. theme from uh, <laughs> Big Trouble. So that kind of got me hooked both on the movie and on the music as well. It, it was probably the first movie I actually um, was aware that the soundtrack had this life of its own. Totally a big influence for me, Big Trouble in Little China. Maybe even more than uh, Escape from New York. Did you enjoy Escape from L.A.? I enjoyed it in this very, what do you call it, uh, ironic way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the only way that film can be enjoyed. Yeah, it's like a piss take on the entire genre. I mean, and also on the on the the idea of a sequel, having a sequel to something. I guess uh, Carpenter was trying to make a point there. Yeah, that fucking surfing scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know if you had the the expression cringe back in the, that day, but it, that was so cringe. <laughs> that was one of the first where uh, I really noticed horrible special effects. Like you know, because sometimes when you're young, you just sort of accept things. Yeah, and you don't really think too hard about effects and stuff like that. And I remember renting Escape from L.A. I don't even think I had seen Escape from New York. I think we just wanted to rent like an action film or something. Mm-hmm. And when it got to that surfing scene, I just remember like my friends and I like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> like the effects are so bad. And then don't they start playing like surf rock while it's happening? Yeah, yeah. it's a bad scene. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not good. But everything is. I mean, him in the submarine going across uh, the sunken remains of LA and meeting a shark and everything is like really cheesy. <laughs> if you compare it to the first movie, like Escape from New York, that's, that's pretty grim and much more a serious tone in that movie because Escape from LA is like a it's really uh, cringe fest. I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, though, so maybe it'll be funny to me now. I, I, I honestly, I think the last time I watched it all the way through was when I was a kid. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. It's worth uh, taking a, a second look at it. I think we'll talk a bit about. 
Because you you play live, right? A couple of times, yeah. As I said earlier, I, I'm not like a proper musician, like being on stage and having like musician friends and being part of a band or anything. It's more or less me doing stuff by myself. So I've had a couple of of gigs uh, as Australian, but that was only due to this club in Stockholm called uh, VHS Vision, and they started out uh, maybe like two or three years ago, and I was their first artist. So they they just um, hit me up on the internet and asked, "Hey man, we like your stuff. Do you want to come play a live gig?" And I was like, oh, "I never done that before, but sure, why not?" <laughs> so starting by like that, uh, I I've made a couple of live. Uh, performances now and and I try mostly to uh, focus on like the, the visuals and the mood like working with um, lighting well the music is important as well but I'm not the kind of guy that takes center stage and <laughs> doing a guitar solo or something it's more like setting the mood and maybe like doing an audio movie for the audience another my first show abroad now is going to be in March next year in um, in Germany. And that's going to be really cool. There's a uh, this um, festival uh, down in Darmstadt that I'm going to attend. It's going to be really interesting. Well, how about this, man? How about we listen to another track? Go ahead. So, we're going to move over to here to Shakedown. We're going to move over here to Shakedown is what I just said. Anyway, we're, look, we're going to we're going to Shakedown now and this was a uh, cool track that I dug from this one. This is Shades by Ocelian.
And that was Shades by Ocillion from the album Shakedown. And I'm here right now with Ocillion. John is talking about making music. And uh, Jack Pliskin, or Snake Burton. <laughs> Snake Burton, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were the videos of Nina's that you worked on? I've done a couple of them. I've done one when, when she's like here in Sweden and she's like out in the, the countryside. And then we did another one in London during nighttime. So we have, we've been shooting f- both here in Sweden and in Stockholm as well for like a live performance at that club that was talking about VHS Vision. And now we've, we've done another video here in Sweden. I think we're going to release it late November, like the 29th or something. It's going to be pretty different compared to the other stuff we've done. So then technically it will be out by the time this airs. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So it was great. I saw it and it was great. Oh, you have seen it? No, I don't. <laughs> Just because by the time this airs, I will have seen it. Yeah. Did, did you appreciate that car scene? Yes. I also like that bit with the karate and the... Uh, <laughs> That robot that uh, yeah. had turned into a laser gun? Yeah, for sure. We had loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> we had lots of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you have your own equipment then, or were you just like renting gear? No, I have, I have my own equipment. I used to um, uh, record a lot of video stuff uh, in a side project of mine, so I, I, have, I have stuff. What was your side project? Actually, it was um, making like corporate videos. <laughs> it was kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's, I yeah. do the same thing. I mean, I've, yeah. I've only, it's only been the past year and a half, I guess, that I'd stopped taking jobs mm-hmm. just to focus fully on, on Beyond Synth. Well, you have to bring home the bacon. So, yeah, I, I just didn't. Yeah. But there were so many years where I was just doing stuff where I just didn't like it at all. It sucks because like I did a lot of editing and graphics work and like literally none of those projects I'm proud of mm. like i wouldn't show them to anyone <laughs> like if they're just, just like what what have you worked on i'm like hey, do you like watching talking heads <laughs> teachers at a conference talk about education techniques uh Ooh, i did some of that nice <laughs> it's fucking just just garbage yeah i mean maybe it was useful to people but like it's not something that like you'd put on a reel or anything no it's sizzle reel <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's another lady talking about teaching techniques that would be it. That'd be the whole reel. It would just be just a uh, random collection yeah, of different ladies talking about teaching techniques. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a side project of mine. But I kept all the equipment, so it's. Uh, I, I think I, I've put it to use in a more fun way nowadays. Well, that's the main thing, man. Like it's got to be. Uh, you know, you got to satisfy those creative. What's the word? House gods. Yeah. yeah. House gods. <laughs> <laughs> so then, when you were doing your sort of like corporate videos thing like did you do everything like you're also like a editor and yeah i was a one-man band so it was like um, hauling the equipment to the, the site uh, and doing the interviews and lighting and recording and everything and then doing the editing so so for the nina videos are you like are you coming up with all the the concept and stuff we do it most uh, mostly together so we have like this um brainstorming uh, brainstorming session and then we pick out some, we listen to the track, we uh, write down what, what kind of um, visuals we're 
we're seeing because Nina she's very visually oriented as well she's into photography and everything so she has loads of um, good ideas and then we try a couple of, of drafts and we try it out and then we just shoot it's, it's good fun I mean we're very small crew it's basically me with the camera and maybe we have like one or two other persons helping out like with the lights and everything it's really um low budget cinema yeah well that's fun though yeah it's really fun we always stay out too late <laughs> we like come back at four o'clock in the morning and <laughs> completely exhausted yeah it's fun man i haven't done that in a long time mm-hmm. like, i used to get a kick out of you know working on people's projects and like filming all day and doing stuff like i really want to do that again yeah it's good fun i mean it's more or less like a passion project we don't we don't get paid for that because we do it for the fans so they have something to watch besides listening to the music and, yeah yeah uh, yeah, we enjoyed both of us, so it's it's really cool. I like that there's uh, more music videos getting made in the scene. I think that's cool. Yeah, because there are some videos that are like really high budget. I mean, the the stuff that Carpenter Brute uh, puts out. I mean, <laughs> that's some next level shit. Well, that's like yeah, like honestly, like Turbo Killer yeah. is just one of the best music videos ever made. I think. Like, it's yeah. not just, like, good for the synthwave scene. I mean, like, that that no, video no. is, like, one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's amazing. But, I mean, really, like, he had nothing to do with it. Like, that was, <laughs> that was like, no, Seth Vickerman. He's yeah, just very sure. lucky that he happened to <laughs> inspire some people who are incredibly talented. But it's good that you have people pushing the envelope like that. I think, I think the scene overall, I mean, both musically and visually, everyone is trying to... Maybe not top each other, but they really uh, work on the inspiration from the stuff that other people put out. So it makes you kind of, okay, what can I do to make uh, this next release even better, more interesting or more polished or whatever? What's the, the goal? I don't know if it's different in other musical scenes since I don't have any experience. Like The main thing I take from meeting all the other artists in the scene, both here in Sweden and, and abroad, because I met a couple of ones from, from your place as well. I mean, Parallels and, and Dana, I mean, they've been to, to Stockholm and played and um, we've hanged out. And everyone is like really, really nice. I mean, I guess in, in other musical scenes, there might be a bigger sense of competition or like people trying to um, talk down on, on other but I'm, I've never experienced anything like that in the synthwave scene it's like a really big happy synth family hashtag synth fam yeah hashtag synth fam that's the one <laughs> but there's this is genuine like a community feeling yeah we've been talking about Nina so why don't we play uh, the track you did with her because it's a good song from the album Ad Astra yep. uh, you did this track this is Don't You Give Up featuring Nina
right, and that was Ocillion with the track Don't You Give Up featuring Nina. <laughs> Normally you are, you know, you're in the background sort of producing and, and writing with Nina for her things, and so this now she was a, a voice on one of your things. Yeah, she was a guest singer on, on a track of mine. Was there a difference the way you write stuff for her than this track? Yeah, I guess I guess my stuff is more maybe not as poppy as the stuff we we write when we write stuff for her my, my stuff is more is more introverted and maybe a bit more accessible that's the word it's not as accessible so it was it was good fun having her to sing on the on this track because uh, and we we actually <laughs> we had a, a bunch of really cool comments when we released it everyone's like where wh- wh- what movie is that a sample from because we have like this vocal sample in the track i don't know if you played that version so we have this uh, the sample bits like people talking like a dialogue and, and people, they were asking us, what, what movie is that from Sample taken from? And it's basically just me and Nina. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We came up with that dialogue and recorded the voices and we had some effects and everything. You find these fan edits, like um, people editing like music videos and they take stuff from other movies and I don't know the legality of it. I think one tried to actually make the story fit into um, Inception. They made a video out of Inception and it actually suits the lyrics in the in the song quite well. That was fun because I, I never I never thought about that movie when I wrote the, the track. What were you thinking about, man? <laughs> I think, I mean, the album Ad Astra, as I said, Beyond the Stars, Beyond Synth, Beyond the Stars, it was basically like a metaphor for leaving something behind and moving on. I basically do every other album as a science fiction album, and every other album is like a thematic album. Because the Shades that we played earlier, that was more like a Beverly Hills Cop, pure 80s nostalgia trip. But Ad Astra was more like in the, the overarching trilogy of science fiction albums by me. So um, Don't You Give Up is, I think it's about like an astronaut trying to give up maybe being all alone outside in space thinking about the loved ones um, <laughs> he left behind or something like that I, I try to base it on like these really cheesy romantic uh, operatic adventures did you watch the movie Ad Astra? unfortunately yes <laughs> I had really ho- high hopes for that one I think the the trailers uh, they lured me in and sure it was a slow burn but not that kind of slow burn I was uh, looking forward to did you enjoy it? Did you see it? No, I don't really go to the movies that often. I don't like to. Okay. I mean, I like movies. Mm-hmm. I just don't... I get annoyed by people. Oh, yeah, I get your point. And the problem is, I used to have this... There was a movie theater that was like about a 15-20 minute walk from my place. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like... It's not a brand new movie theater. It's kind of like a little bit older, but they would play brand new movies. So I would just usually go there, like opening weekend on like Sunday night at like 9 p.m. I just walk over, watch a movie, come back, go to bed yeah. because it was never really packed anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, they closed it. They closed it in the summer and I wasn't even paying attention. And now if I want to go to the movies, it's an event, right? Because I got to yeah. get on the subway and go downtown or whatever. And it's not the same. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, I used to... I used to enjoy going to the cinema much more when I when I lived in in France in Paris. The amount of of cinema text that you can go to there is like amazing, and you can go like any time of day, and basically you're you're alone in the theater, 
and you can watch like really old movies and and really quirky ones and not all always the, the mainstream stuff that you get in the multiplexes uh-huh. so uh, I, I totally <laughs> I totally agree on that one so what was the problem with Ad Astra I thought didn't that movie get okay reviews I, th- I think maybe re- reviewers liked it but quite a lot of people found, found it a bit too uh, simple and boring <laughs> That's very polite. I don't even know why I say it that way. I go like, well, didn't it get good reviews? But the fucking Last Jedi got 92%. So like, you know, so that doesn't, uh, (laughs) reviews don't mean shit. But the Rotten Tomatoes score is 98%. It should be nice viewing. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. It's a shame. No. Not at all. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Have you seen Joker? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Ah, totally worth it. Excellent. If it goes on like a streaming service, mm-hmm. when I'm really excited for something, I'll watch something immediately. It's funny because I'll always say I have no time, but I make time when it's something I really want to see. Like yeah. when Dark Crystal was on Netflix, like I, I really wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. And so I just watched it all. And like, I think it took me two days to just kind of burn through everything. The yeah. Mandalorian, the Star Wars show, I've been watching that. We don't have that in, in Europe, I think. You, you can only see it in the States. Oh, well, it's good. It's a cool show. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Star Wars fan. I mean, the, the classic ones. Yeah. Um, so is it more or less like uh, the, the old school style? Yeah, so far it's cool. I, I really like it because it's um, it's simple. Yeah. Like, it's just not overly complicated. I mean, I'm sure it'll get more complicated, mm-hmm. but right now it's really, it's like just the episodes are about 35 minutes long and they're pretty like singularly focused where it's just like episode one, he gets a bounty and then goes to the planet to get the bounty. And then hmm. episode two, he's got to fix his ship. And like, there's just, it's, it's not super complicated and the main guy doesn't really talk that much which is cool and oh. so far he hasn't even taken his helmet off which is pretty awesome wow that's cool kind of judge dread and carl urban style. that's the thing i like about star wars is sort of like it's got this this simplicity to it and it is this characters with cool masks and mm-hmm. laser guns and spaceships and lightsabers and stuff and to me that's kind of what star wars is which is why, you know, the past few movies have been disappointing for me because they're sort of introducing characters that just don't feel like Star Wars characters to me. Oh, really? Well, Star Wars to me is like political debates in the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, we can probably wind this down, but I want to listen to another song. Sure, go ahead. So we'll go ahead to uh, Sentient, and this is The Brightest Cry by Ocillion. Can we be? 
And that was Ocillion with the track The Brightest Cry from the album Sentient. And I'm here right now with Ocillion. John, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we, we talked about simplicity. We talked about the, um, the Mandalorian being a very simple show compared to previous <laughs> takes on the Star Wars universe. And actually, the Sentient album was... I was trying to be more simple in the way I arranged my, my tracks. So I, I was not trying to like overload them with... Um, I just put in one more synth or maybe one more detail. I was trying to strip things down and make it really simple. So the vocals for this one is just one uh, one vocal, no like backing vocals or harmonies or anything. And and the the music is quite simple. And it was a nice experience. And it seems like people appreciated it as well. I got a good good feedback on that track. So it's interesting then because you've done that with a few of your albums, right? Where you go in with like some sort of mission. You know, this this with this one I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Like almost like there's a plan before you start putting it together. I'm all over the place otherwise. If if I don't have any um, like boundaries or like make some kind of rules, it could end up being like any any track. So for me having a certain set of rules or like a theme, mostly a theme, I think. So for a sentient, it was robotic theme or maybe like artificial intelligence. Uh, and I went through the uh, the history of cinema and picked out all the the movies I thought was were cool featuring robots. And I based all the tracks on the uh, album on different kind of robots. So um, the brightest cry is more or less the birth of AI. Hello, new world. I'm initialized. <laughs> so that was the theme for the album. So I, I, I mostly do, I mostly work like that in my stuff. I need some of that focus sometimes when I'm editing. That's like the hardest part. And that's what takes me the longest is like when I just have like a, I just drop all the footage in. Mm -hmm. There's this part there's this where I just keep trying to salvage as much as I can and then sometimes you just have to be like just make a fucking decision like just yeah. you know you've got two takes of a line and I keep watching both of them over and over until it's just like just fucking pick one like you just have to pick one or else my brain won't move forward until it's weird because even though I like non-linear editing uh, you mm -hmm. know like on a computer I still my brain still needs to sort of have some sort of sequence and so sometimes I literally can't work on stuff later on in the sequence without having finalized what came before it. Yeah, it's super weird working in a non-linear way. I mean, music and movies are basically a string of events with a starting point and a middle point and an end point. And it's all about the flow. If you don't feel the flow and where you came from, you don't know where you're going. So if you're like always going back and forth in the beginning and the end and you, you lose that um, sense of flow I think I think that's what you're describing because with non-linear editing obviously you can like jump to the end of the timeline and you can be editing the end of the film before you've ended the start and sometimes yeah. if you're really excited about a sequence yeah like you can edit it sure if that's the thing you're so excited like you know you film something and you get home and you're like oh I can't wait to edit this part first you know compared to an album i mean an album is also a, a string of small movies sort of each track is a story in itself but all the the tracks together they form a bigger story so i guess when you're editing footage it's basically the same thing you break it down into small stories but when you work on those small stories you have to have the sense of flow throughout like you have the natural beginning and the end and then it moves on to the next story and all of those together becomes the entire the entire story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And for me, my problem is I'll get stuck. Like I haven't made a decision for this one scene and like I literally just can't move forward. Mm -hmm. And then I have to just basically make a choice in order for me to like be able to move on. It doesn't even matter if it's the right or the wrong choice, but I think this is just like the same as like life advice. Like if you just sit around doing nothing, like sometimes you just have to just do something in order to get the creativity flowing or get thing off the ground, you know, like you say you want to be a writer and you want to write a story, but you just sit there thinking about all the ideas, but you never actually write anything. And so sometimes you just have to just write, even if it doesn't end up in your story. It's like you just have to start. Yeah, you have to fight the writer's block or the beat block or the musician's block. And making a decision is is probably a good thing because it moves you, it makes you move forward in any direction. And then you can gauge your direction in a, in a better way. Yeah, it sounds really simple, but it's like it's... It's super hard. Yeah. I mean, as creatives with like infinite uh, possibilities, especially when you're working on the computer, like you have the 1,000 sounds to choose from, and you have to make a choice and you have to narrow it down to a couple of ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's like cooking, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you have all the spices, you know, what, what's it going to end up like? Salt and pepper. Just That's all you need. <laughs> just to- Yeah, salt and pepper. Because you have some great experience on cooking <laughs> on your show. Yeah, I guess I, I got to get better at cooking, man. I, uh, I make like the same meals all the time. That's what I originally wanted to do a cooking show for was to like force me to learn new things. Mm-hmm. But like everything else, it just ends up being like project number 2000 and then yeah. I never end up <laughs> We've uh, all been there. doing it. Um, <laughs> Well, look, how about this? We'll say goodbye, but we'll play another song and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. I was actually going to play this one earlier, but then we were talking about Nina. So then I just felt like we should play the Nina track. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a track uh, that I really liked of yours from the album Building Better Worlds. And yep. this one is called Defense by Asilian. Oh, 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 oh,
was Oscillion with the track Defense from the Building Better Worlds album. And I have been talking with Oscillion today, Mr. John Oscillion. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Happy to be on the show, Andy. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Was there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? I guess we went through basically everything from how I started and how I work on stuff. It was good talking and finally I made it to the show. One of the shows that actually got me into the scene to begin with. So it was it was an honor to be here. Yeah, cool, man. Well, I mean, you make uh, really awesome music. Like, I think I'm trying to rectify, especially in this season and, and going forward, all these people who I've been intending to have on the show for years. I think I was talking to Marco about it was just, you know, I keep updating the Beyond Synth database and there's like, as of right now, there's like 950 artists on that thing. Oh my God. So I, I just did the math where I'm like, well, what if, you know, I do, say I do 50 episodes a year where I'm like interviewing. I don't think I do. I, yeah, I probably yeah. do more like 40 five or 46 or something mm-hmm. although actually this year we've done a few a lot but the high fives don't have interviews but you know mathematically speaking if i interview one new guest per show it would still take 18 years or what, what is it well because if there's 900 people yeah for sure yeah it's gonna take forever yeah man like that's <laughs> that's crazy well it wouldn't be what would be yeah because because nine times two yeah the facebook group uh, synthway producers how many are like I don't know, fifteen thousand people or something like that. <laughs> I haven't been there in a while. I was there like at the very beginning of it, of it, you know, when it was still like two hundred people or whatever. Fourteen thousand members. Yeah, fourteen thousand members. Yeah, that's crazy. So <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. So 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 there's a lot of people who I've been meaning to get to, and obviously, like I've liked your music uh, since you've been making it, and uh, you do cool stuff. Thanks. And so I'm happy to have uh, finally chatted with Ocillion. Well, it was wonderful to be on the show, and I I thank you a lot for having me, Andy. All right, dude. Have a lovely Swedish day. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. You too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and that was my conversation with Ocillion. I hope you have a lovely week. Tune in next time. And, uh, yeah, I gotta go. I guess I gotta go edit. I gotta go edit it right now, man. So you have a lovely day. Did I just say goodbye twice? <laughs> Look, if you want to support Beyond Synth, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth and uh, keep tuning in to my social media because I might be uh, doing some surprise live streams, which you can be a part of. And that is all I have to say. So tune in to the next one. Uh, this is Beyond Synth. It's the best Synthwave chat show there is, and there's only a few more episodes before the end of the year. So do it up. Bye. Thanks for this was Beyonce No more show today Now shut up, the robot lady's got something to say If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch 
at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.